0: gods before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. We've said that the first commandment kind of sums up the rest of the commandments, which could lead to the question, why do we even need commandments two through ten? What good are they? Let's just start with the second commandment. It's about God's name. That doesn't seem like a very important thing to a lot of Americans today. They don't even tell each other their last names. (laughs) I'm Bob, and that's
1: enough. What's the big deal? True enough. I think for Luther, there is a little bit of a movement from one commandment to the other. In other words, uh, once we have a God, um, something or someone to whom we cling, we usually identify it by name. And so that goes with with being a person. It goes with being a person. And out of the heart flow words. So we identify that God by name. And then for him, the third commandment provides training in the word, which unpacks the name of God for us and what that name means uh, for us. Um, So in those three commandments, there is a movement from uh, God, name, word, and I think they're all uh, connected. Or maybe from the human side, um, out of the heart proceed uh, words, and then as he even goes in the third commandment, uh, recognition that we devote time to that uh, God as well. If someone's God is a a sports car, for example, I have little doubt that they spend (laughs) a large amount of time, uh, washing it, polishing it, taking care of it, uh, it tends to be pretty demanding that way. But in terms of the Second Commandment, you will have, sorry, but in terms of the Second Commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, Luther explains this one in terms that I think people of his day would easily have recognized. He says that we should fear enough God, so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts. Although I don't really like that translation as much, hmm. lie or deceive with His name, but with it pray, praise, and give thanks. So this commandment is going to deal with our use of God's name and how He intended us for, uh, how He intended us to use it, or for what purpose He gave us His name. Hmm. And what purposes?
0: is he saying are not on that list? What's he saying we shouldn't do with this? Well,
1: here I would like to, just for a minute or two, pick up on uh, two things that Luther zeroes in on, uh, as I th- think they were problems in his day. Uh, let's take uh, cursing and uh, using satanic arts, for example. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people of Luther's day, life was very fragile. Um, you had high infant mortality rate, low life expectancy. Uh, we didn't, they didn't have homeowner's insurance, life insurance. Uh, a thunderstorm and a bolt of lightning, one's entire life village could uh, literally go up in smoke. Mm-hmm. And there was a desire on the part of people to, and I suppose it's a human desire after the fall, to have a sense of control over mm-hmm. one's life. They believed that everything that happened in their lives had a direct supernatural cause behind it. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Satan or whether it was God, whether it was uh, devils or angels, it had a supernatural cause. And so there was an attempt to uh, want to gain control of one's life, and as a result, very often there was a fine line, I suspect, between what you might call prayer and incantation. Mm-hmm. For example, take cursing. Um, you have a largely peasant society. Uh, maybe hardly a lost court system as we have it here in America. Uh, poor people didn't have much recourse in seeking justice um, when wrongs had been done to them. But there had been, down through the Middle Ages, somewhat fostered by the church, a sense of uh, cursing. that. Uh, Cursing was a way by which you could call upon the power of God to injure or harm someone who had done evil to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Harmed you in some way, stolen something from you in some way. Um, From what I've read, there were uh, librarians who put curses on uh, books for careless borrowers. Uh, Curses would be applied to uh, mortgages. You know, you name it. So cursing was a way by which people could harness the power of God or try to harness the power of God in order to seek justice. One might say revenge or, or vengeance. Uh, two types of cursing were probably very popular. One was uh, the beggar's curse, failing to give alms to someone who was mm-hmm. poor. Um, if he were to curse you for that, that would, seen as be, that would be seen as very effective. And, of course, the cursing of parents. I suppose we have a tradition when mm. young people want to get married, they ask for their parents' blessing and not their parents' uh, a curse. The other, though, is the one that deals with using satanic arts, the German word there is saubern, literally to conjure. Now, I honestly don't think this is referring to things like uh, Ouija boards using... Um, astrology, um, or calling upon Satan. Because remember, this commandment is dealing with how we use God's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are very few examples I can find of people using God's name in order to call upon Satan. Yeah. Those things, for Luther, would be a first commandment issue. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I look to a saint or I look to a Satan or I look anywhere other than God, I am that's a question, of, an issue of idolatry. Yeah. This is how do we use God's name. And it turns out that many people, again, because of a sense of powerlessness over their lives um, and having to deal with uh, milk that's not pasteurized. They saw, thought the hexes would be placed on the milk, cattle that got sick, locusts or grasshoppers so that could destroy your crops. So they would take liturgical formula, like the triune name or the Lord's Prayer or something like that, and maybe utter it over a juniper branch that they could hang over the door of their house for protection against storms. Or um, they might use it as a formula to expel elves. Uh, elves were seen as the instigators of all kinds of mischief and, and, and ills. So it's probably best to think of this as a superstitious use of God's name. And I suspect we have some of that in our own day and age, you know. You're um, saying, well, I don't know where else to turn out. If you've got a shot, what can hurt? I might get lucky. Uh, it's kind of a superstitious use of his name. Uh, you see ball players making the sign of the cross before they step up to the plate. You wonder, well, is that sort of a superstitious use uh, of God's name? But I do think it raises a very interesting question about the relationship between prayer and incantation. Mm-hmm. And the difference has to be faith. Faith says, if it be your will. Um, in other words, let's God be God. And if God chooses to answer our prayer the way we like, uh, so be it. But I cannot compel, force, or in a sense, harness God to do what I want. Then you're falling into the realm of incantation. So what should we do with God's name? Well, the positive side of it is, uh, as Luther explains, that pray, praise, and give thanks, that we both use it to call upon God for help. Uh, to praise him for all of his marvelous works, as we'll see in the Creed, and also uh, to give thanks for the blessings he has provided.
0: One of those ways of giving thanks is to
1: use his word properly. To use his word properly, exactly. Now, Luther does something very interesting here because he doesn't go along with um, the Old Testament reading of emphasizing a literal Saturday as a day in which you must rest. In addition, he's reacting uh, against the church of his day, in which the calendar of the church became very much filled with all kinds of festivals and feasts. And very often, this commandment was translated in the sense of, uh, to all the feast days be true, or uh, you will cease to work on all the feast days. Um, And with that came a lot of regulations about what you could or couldn't do. So Luther does two things. He focuses more on God, the, the, the language of Exodus 20, where God blesses the day and sets it aside for rest. So first, he'll acknowledge it is a day of rest. Nature teaches us that we cannot work 24-7. That creates high blood pressure. You're going to wear down. You're going to break down. You've got to take time out to rest. And there he's pretty free saying, if Sunday doesn't work, some other day will do. Mm-hmm. But you got to take time out to rest. The second thing he does is saying, well, what do we do with that rest? And here he stresses, and I actually like the way he translates the Hebrew for the third commandment, that thou shalt sanctify the day of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to thou shalt cease to work on the holy days or something Uh like that. You shall sanctify the day of rest. Well, what sanctifies the day becomes the word. The word blessed the day and made it holy. And so now the word sanctifies the day. In this regard, again, he has a little bit of a shift. I think that in the Middle Ages, um, the the word that they would have used for holy things was heilictum. Uh, often referring to the relics of the saints. These relics might be buried beneath an altar and they made this space holy. Well, Luther says, no, the word is the holy thing. The word is the thing that makes our day holy and makes us holy. So as we occupy ourselves with the word, that word in turn sanctifies us and makes us holy. So the two sides of that commandment are, one, rest. Take time out. Refresh yourself. Secondly, as you do so, occupy yourself with the word. Uh, Actually, um,
0: I suppose the relics um, represented the very presence of divine power, even if it was in the saints. Luther says divine power comes through the word. Exactly. It reflects Luther's basic conviction that, that God created through the word and and establish the order of things for us. And the fourth commandment uh, talks a little bit about that order. What does Luther emphasize as he treats the fourth
1: commandment? As we move to the fourth commandment, we move to um, a commandment that deals with how God has arranged life. Uh, He specifically deals with family life. But out of family, Luther also saw God as establishing uh, other orders, such as the church and pastors, in a sense, as spiritual followers, uh, but also government as followers of the nation. These two uh, assist parents in bringing up their children, both as citizens and as children of God. And he also
0: talks about employers and, and as, as fathers and mothers, in a
1: sense, to, uh, to the servants who work Yeah, that's for a them. good point, because in his day, the family would have been both the biological family But also, the household would have included perhaps farmhands, servants, and so forth. And so uh, the father and mother also, in a sense, function as the um, employers, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it would include the economic sphere as well. Mm -hmm. And
0: how does that order function? Um, Those on top get a lot of privileges,
1: those underneath a lot of obligations? Well, as Luther wrestled with this uh, throughout the 1520s and expresses it, especially in the large catechism, he develops the commandment as um, laying out the responsibilities that both have toward one another. Even though we often think of this as honor your father and your mother, he also points out that God has given parents children, not so they can do whatever they want with these children, but that they have a responsibility to these children, both physically and spiritually, um, in, 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 how they raise these, in how they raise the children. I think
0: Americans sometimes think of human beings as individuals, all sort of on the same same level, whereas Luther's really presenting a picture of of humanity woven together in this what you just described as, as a, a series of mutual Responsibilities and obligations
1: for one another. Good observation. Uh, There's a recognition that God has made us male and female. He's created us for community. It's downright inhuman to be alone. Uh, He's made us for one another. And these structures or orders are simply the different communities that Luther and his followers saw God having established or uh, placed us in. And and so God
0: puts us together into groups, into families and and other kinds of relationships, simply so that human life can function. Would you say?
1: Yes, so that uh, we can live out our lives as God intended them. Yes, that we are. There's a sense where we are interdependent upon one another,
0: yeah. um,
1: and a sense where. It's within these communities that we serve each other. Luther would speak of human beings as being his masks so that my wife is God's instrument of blessing to me, hopefully I am to her. Uh, Same thing with parents to children, children to parents, uh, neighbor to neighbor and the like. So often in
0: our society, our culture, we think of the self-fulfillment as just doing something for me. And what you're suggesting is that that the most fulfilling thing for each one of us as individuals is to be in these community relationships and to be showing the kind of love that God shows to us, to other people.
1: Yeah, there's a sense where you're not being egocentric here, but exocentric, that our lives are centered mm. on the other. But again, for Luther, that can only happen when our lives are centered on God or lived in trust, in other words, that is he's holding us. And our future and our life is secure in his hands. Only then are we free to live lives of service in un- uninhibited ways for each other.
0: Your use of the word free uh, reminds me that the first time Luther talked about justification, about the life of faith that God gives sinners when he delivers them from their sin, the treatise that first talks about that in Luther's career was called The Freedom of the Christian. And so what God does for us, really, as he delivers us from our our failing to keep his commandments, is to liberate us um, for the enjoyment of human life. Commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 tell us more about how we live that life that has been liberated uh, for truly human enjoyment of all the gifts of God. In our next session, we'll look at the rest of the Ten Commandments.